Chapter Twelve of Titus, A Comrade of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen Preckle. Titus, A Comrade of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter Twelve. Tell thee that the time for looking lightly on the thing hath passed, for this man doth continually blaspheme the name of the Almighty. The speaker was Caiaphas. As he spoke, he was striding impatiently up and down one of the roof terraces of his house, while Jairus, his guest, half reclined upon a marble bench near at hand. The two sisters sat at a little distance, placidly happy in each other's society, and Ruth, leaning both elbows upon the parapet, gazed with wide, childish eyes upon the wonderful panorama of the holy city spread out beneath her. Thou didst hear this Jesus to-day, when he was questioned concerning the so-called healing of the impotent man at Bethesda, God judgeth no man, he said, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, meaning himself, and further, that all men should honour the Son even as they honour the Father, even as didst note the words. Then he went on to speak of John, who is justly imprisoned, for I believe that he was beside himself. There is another, he said, that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. He said those words, replied Jairus, who had listened in silence up to this point. But there was another thing also which he said, and which I have not forgotten. Twas this, but I have greater witness than that of John, for the works of which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. Thou dost in thine accusation of the man singularly overlook the works of healing, assuredly great and marvellous, which he continueth daily to perform. What canst thou say to such a cure as that of the man who, as thou knowest, on reputable testimony, had lain on his bed helpless for thirty and eight years? With a word the Nazarene restored him perfectly. Ay, but mark the word, said Caiaphas with heat. It was the Sabbath day, and he said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. In that he both healed the man, and bade him take up and carry his bed. On the Sabbath day he hath done that which is unlawful. He is therefore guilty of blasphemy, and also of profaning the law of the Most High, and thou knowest the penalty of such misdeeds, he added, darkly. Neither of the men noticed that the little Ruth had turned about and was listening with an anxious face to the discussion, until she suddenly startled them with the question, Dost thou speak of Jesus of Nazareth, Uncle Joseph? Why dost thou ask, my child? said Caiaphas gently, pausing in his walk to lay his hand caressingly upon her golden hair. I know him too, and have seen him. If he is the Son of God, as he doth declare, would he not have the right to heal on the Sabbath day, which is God's day? The child speaketh well, said Jairus proudly. I would have asked thee that question myself. And I should have answered thee that his pretensions are, as I have said before, blasphemous. We know that this man is the son of a common carpenter. Nay, more, he is himself a common carpenter, and hath followed the trade, working with his hands until lately. His home is in Nazareth. And can any good thing come out of Nazareth? But, Uncle Joseph, persisted the little damsel, her face flushing, and her eyes filling with tears, how could he do the wonderful things that he doeth, unless God be with him? I love him, she continued passionately, without waiting his answer, and I believe that he is, as he hath said, the Son of God. My darling, said her mother softly, it is not seemly for a babe like thee to discuss this matter with thine uncle, more especially as he doth hold the sacred office of high priest in God's holy temple. Thou must come with me now, that thou mayest grow calm before the time to sleep. So saying, the two women went away with the child, who was now weeping softly. As the sound of their trailing garments ceased upon the stairway, Jairus turned to Caiaphas, who was gazing silently toward the temple, 
whose walls and towers glowed with rosy and golden reflections in the last rays of the setting sun and said solemnly to my mind my brother this is a time of great responsibility to the heads of the nation if the child spake truly as i myself believe twere assuredly an awful thing to reject god's anointed caiaphas remained silent for a moment then he turned slowly and looked at jairus thou art a good man and my brother it were well for us not to talk of this matter further lest it make between us a breach which cannot be healed i will tell thee plainly once and for all that my mind is made up about this man he must die which were better for one to die than for many to perish but even as he spoke the prophetic words he shuddered slightly and glanced toward the heavens in the meantime in one of the great shadowy chambers of the palace the two women having dismissed the maid were putting little ruth to bed the child kneeling at her mother's knee had repeated her psalms and prayers and now she was resting snugly in the stately bed with its carven posts and drapery and coverlet of purple embroidered with gold and now my mother wilt thou tell me a story she pleaded tell me of david and goliath and the mother told her the story so familiar from her youth that she repeated it in the language of the scripture itself i've always liked that story said ruth enthusiastically when she had finished how i should like to have seen david when he stood up on the body of the giant philistine and grabbed his great sword to cut off his wicked old head she paused a moment as if picturing the scene to herself then she added eagerly i think my mother that david must have looked exactly like my titus how canst thou say that my child thou knowest that thy titus as thou callest him is a greek nay said the little girl positively i told him that could not be for he hath the face of a jew hath he not now with his dark skin his eagle nose and those great flashing eyes of his he hath a countenance like yes i know it now like to my uncle joseph's half rising as she spoke in her excitement my child my child said the mother gently but firmly thou must lie down and sleep now thy brain teemeth with wild fancies i will sit outside on the terrace near thee but thou must indeed be calm who is the lad that the child speaketh of questioned the lady anna carelessly as the two settled themselves upon the terrace outside the chamber he is a lad from capernaum whom our good benoni hath recently employed to assist about the gardens my impetuous little daughter hath taken a great liking to him and asked that he might lead her mule upon the journey indeed he seemeth to be a kind and careful lad albeit of a very common greek family my ruth hath had so much excitement of late that her tongue doth run overmuch i must see to it that she hath more quiet and some wholesome employment i have seen the lad said anna musingly he hath a noble countenance and strangely enough of the purest jewish type thou art assured that he is of greek parentage it is certain replied her sister for i made careful inquiry through benoni himself his father is called dumachus then half guessing her sister's thoughts and wishing to divert them from so painful a channel she said but now that we are alone and not likely to be interrupted i will tell thee how i heard the nazarene teach the people i had long been anxious to know more fully what those teachings were for as thou knowest reports oftentimes untrue reach us from careless listeners so hearing that he had gone forth from the city toward tiberius my husband and myself attended only by benoni set forth all three riding upon mules in true peasant fashion for we desired not to attract attention after riding for some distance we fell in with numerous people all journeying in the same direction every one was talking of the wonderful works of healing which he had seen and many who had been healed were journeying also and were pointed out to me by benoni who had taken a wondrous interest in this man we heard finally that he was to be found at hatin 
thou wilt remember the place tis about seven miles from capernaum there is a small village at the foot of the double-peaked hill called sometimes the horns of hattin the hill can be distinctly seen from our house in capernaum upon arriving at this place we found assembled there a great multitude of people of all nationalities and of all grades of society we quickly learned that the nazarene was even then upon the top of the mountain and with him those men who were already known as his disciples presently we saw that he was descending the slope surrounded by his followers instantly there pressed forward those who had brought their sick to be healed we were not near enough to see what manner of sickness there was among them nor exactly what transpired but from the excitement of the crowd and the thanksgivings and hallelujahs which burst forth it was evident that all were healed meanwhile we edged our way among the throngs and finally succeeded in getting within hearing distance of the nazarene he had seated himself now upon a great rock and as he gazed around on the assembled multitudes the look upon his face was such that i could not but think of the great angels of our holy scriptures presently he began to speak i would that i could tell thee each word of that discourse for it was wondrous by reason of its wisdom if he had been the lawgiver moses himself fresh from sinai he could not have spoken with greater authority he began with blessings i do not remember them all but one stands out in my memory above the others blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted he said also that the meek the merciful and the pure in heart were blessed and all those who should be abused and persecuted for the sake of the christ rejoice and exult he said looking at his disciples when men shall falsely reproach you and say every wicked word against you on account of me your reward shall be great in the heavens for so did they persecute the prophets of old ye are the light of the world a city builded upon a mountain cannot be hid and when one lighteth a lamp they do not put it under a corn measure but upon a lampstand and it giveth light to all who are in the house thus let your light shine that men may see it and praise your father which dwelleth in the heavens then my sister i noticed that he said he was not come to abolish the law or the prophets but to fulfil them both and that not the least thing should pass away till all had come to pass and further that unless our righteousness should be greater than that of the scribes and pharisees we could never enter into the kingdom of the heavens then he spoke of the law in detail and showed that in his opinion the person who was angry without reason was as liable to judgment as a murderer that if a person was engaged in a quarrel with another he could not acceptably offer sacrifices to god moreover that one should not attempt to resist an evildoer but rather shame him with generosity that we must love not alone our friends but even those who hated us and tried to do us harm and that we must pray for wicked persons for so might we be children of our father in the heavens for his sun riseth on those who are evil as well as on those who are good his rain also cometh down upon the ground of the bad man as well as on that of the good and that if we love and are courteous who are equals only we are no better than the lowest in short we must try to be perfect even as our father in heaven is perfect be careful he said not to be charitable in order that your friends may see and praise you for it if you give to the poor in this way god will not reward you giving done quietly and without parade shall be rewarded openly he also condemned making a show of prayer and thou knowest my sister how our scribes and pharisees sometimes pray even on the street i have wondered how they could realize what they were doing as they stand on the corners and pray so loudly the nazarene declared that they do it simply to be seen and praised of the lookers-on and that truly they will get nothing else for their prayers 
if thou wouldst be heard and answered of god he said pray secretly in your own chamber with closed door and do not suppose that the father demandeth long prayers or is pleased with empty repetitions the heathen prays in that way god is your father he knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him he doth not wait to have us ask for see how he careth for every creature even for those who like the heathen never pray aright yet must we pray for so it pleaseth the father then he said after this manner pray ye our father who art in the heavens sanctified be thy name let thy kingdom come let thy will be done as in the heavens so also upon the earth the needed bread give us to-day forgive us our debts as also we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory to the ages amen tis a wondrous prayer said anna her eyes glowing in the semi-darkness but his teachings are strangely different from what hath sounded in our ears since moses led forth the people of israel from egypt but hath it not the sound of truth it seemeth so to me answered her sister i can tell thee more if thou wilt hear it art thou not weary nay tell me more all that thou canst said anna i feel that at best i can only give fragments but i will try he counselled that we should not care overmuch for the treasures of this earth for such things are liable to be eaten with moths or rusted away else stolen thou knowest how true that is my sister it is indeed true murmured anna with a sigh thinking how her chiefest treasure had been stolen from her lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal continued sarah softly and do not be over anxious about the future for your father in heaven knoweth that ye have need of food and clothing and shelter and if he clothed the wild lilies which toil not at all more gorgeously than even the great solomon in all his glory shall he forget his children the first thing and the most important is to seek after god and his righteousness if we do this all else that is needful shall be given us by the hand that never faileth do not criticize others for often we ourselves are full of faults more evil we must be judged even as we judge our fellow man god will give more abundantly to his children when they ask him than earthly parents do to their children so that if we desire anything we must ask it of our heavenly father we shall surely receive it if it be for our good to keep perfectly the law and the prophets note this especially my sister for it is what we are always laboring to do it is only necessary to do unto others such things as we would wish them to do to us his closing words were astonishing for in them he plainly declared himself to be the heaven-sent one not every one who shall say to me lord lord shall enter into the kingdom of the heavens but he who doeth the will of my father who is in heaven many will say to me in that day did we not cast out devils in thy name and in thy name perform many works of power then shall i say to them i never knew you depart from me ye who work lawlessness every one therefore who heareth these words of mine and liveth them is like a prudent man who built his house upon a rock down came the rain the streams rose and the strong winds blew but the house was safe for it was builded upon a rock but he who heareth these words and heeded them not is like a man who foolishly built his house upon the sand down came the rain the streams rose and the tempest raged and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it when he had finished these sayings a great murmur of amazement rose from that vast multitude truly my sister it was a marvellous discourse though i can but dimly and imperfectly repeat it to thee i would that thou couldst hear the man for thyself 
I would that I might, said the Lady Anna. Then she added hesitatingly, But thou knowest how my husband thinketh, and our father also. Yes, I know, assented her sister simply. After that the two were silent, absorbed each in her own thoughts, while within the child slept peacefully. End of chapter 12